Alright guys, before today's episode, just a wee reminder that we are now on Patreon. For as little as £3 a month, you can get access to an extra episode every two weeks, plus bonus content including from the live shows and uh, first access to tickets for the upcoming live shows, uh, including ones that we'll hopefully be doing at the Edinburgh Festival. And there is also some exciting news about this year's Edinburgh Festival in August. Yes, we are all doing the French uh, in Edinburgh. Separately. Separately, but all shows. that monkey barrel comedy, selling like lukewarm cakes. Yes, but we will. Some uh, of my favourite cakes. Yeah, don't want them too. Don't want them hot. We will hopefully see you and enjoy today's episode. Cheers, thank guys. you. Welcome to the Some Laugh Podcast. It could be like, oh, that was some laugh, or there was just some laugh. Well, no promising all laugh. No, <laughs> it's, there's going to be some. It's some laugh. You don't come across as unconfident when it comes to the the ladies. Really? Well, I've got. I long... saw you in real. Yes, you did. We've come to that, but I've got I've got a long term girlfriend, so I don't need to be. I think this is a thing though that stand up is bad for as well because you get so much external validation from that. That see, if for example you want to lose a bit of weight, you feel so good about yourself after a good gig that you think I'm fine. And then you, you get it, and then so you just you, you don't think you need to improve yourself or whatever because you, mm. there's also like I don't want to lose whatever it is I've got that's working for me in comedy. If I lose weight, Are you worried that if you if you got like <laughs> yeah. ripped, then yeah, you're if I be got ripped, funny? my confidence would seem misplaced. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, like right now, I can afford to be confident because he's a bit fat. It's all right. If I was ripped, they'd be like, you, who the fuck do you, you think piece you are? of shit, you piece of shit, yeah, you <laughs> piece of shit. Do you think you get away with more as a a larger man. I was waiting to see. <laughs> I was waiting to see. What, it was the boss. <laughs> um, you're not large. I'm not that large. You're not that no, large. But sake. compared to someone who is ripped and whatever, do you think you get away with being a bit more cheeky or a bit more? I don't know. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I step sat here, they were like, "You are a fat bastard." You're having such a nice chat. Yeah, it was wholesome. Mark was Jennings like, "We've given you, the, we've given you the seat with arms. We're a bit worried whether like, you'll get stuck in there or not." <laughs> there is the odd person that I have thought I'd like to get in, but they wouldn't fit in that chair. Really? You're not one of them. I should taste the ad. Okay. I'm hoping to get Paul Black Mall Cup for the 100. <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Yeah. It's nice to have no, you. Lovely. lovely to be here to continue the Asian takeover of Great Britain. Yes. Yeah, that's it. So comes on, come on, Hamza. Yeah. New, My new brother. FM. Today, I. The new first minister as of today. Yeah. I don't know when this goes out, but yeah. Do you know anything about him? Yeah, we're in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> I just meant to be full of Scottish balls. Uh, well, the thing that I saw, weirdly, your t- you know, one's Twitter is very interesting in terms of reflecting the kind of people that you follow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anti-Humza stuff. There is a lot like, he's, a lot like, he's like another Nicola Sturgeon, apparently. He's the continuity candidate. He's the continuity candidate, right, because he wants an independent Scotland, does he? Well, they all do an SNP. Right. But she, he was very like closely allied with her. I think I don't know that much about it, but he has been in a lot of the high-profile jobs. Like he was the health secretary. He was previously transport. So he got done for driving without insurance while he was transport. I mean, secretary. that's just being Asian, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's gone. I mean, we all drive without insurance. I, I used to act my drive without insurance. <laughs> but I think his defence is that's that he was going through a difference. divorce. <laughs> I, I, I think he can cite forget the divorce he, I think he can cite cultural cultural misunderstanding he's <laughs> <laughs> lived his, his entire life I know. come on yeah, <laughs> yeah don't follow a lot of politics myself no no we are not we are, this isn't really we don't we don't really discuss yeah I mean too I mean, many do I it's just today was a big day yeah for was. Asians yeah for sure the UK so we do a we do a topical radio show and uh, we've got a, an Asian cast member who does all the Asian voices, Manny. <laughs> that does not sound good. <laughs> well, he... he, he what? Steve what? George rather add on No, that? but just the way he put that. <laughs> what Asian voices does he do? Well, so he does Rishi. Rishi is the Labour leader. And Rishi is obviously PM. And, and Hamza. But okay, so this is, this is so interesting because I talk about this in my show because I was in Spitting Image and I did Rishi Sunak, Sajid Javid and Narendra Modi, but I disagreed with that decision. 
Well, he this that, disagrees. Yeah, Manny disagrees as well. But I don't think you could have it though. You couldn't have me doing all three of those. Yeah, you can because they're Scottish or English or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, but I also think loads of people would have a problem. Oh, but yeah, I know it's very bizarre. I don't think. I think the more racist accents, the better. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only way we can make the world come closer together. Why do you say that? <laughs> because if if we start telling white people you can't do non-white accents when you guys are allowed to do an Aussie or a French or a South African accent, but the right South African accent, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the most evil accent in the world is white South African, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, it's true, yeah, it's an evil accent. Yeah. But if we're all hanging out and you're all doing just the white accents and the moment one of you drops, say, a Pakistani accent mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, you're punching down, to me it just feels a bit non-inclusive. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it would be punching down just for doing the accent. I think it's just more of a, I, d- I don't know what, it's just like you can't do it. Well, here, at, we, all we can relate down. to is being Scottish, yeah, right? Yeah. And see if an English person does an American accent, that's fine. But see if an English uh, English person starts trying to do my accent, I do just think you're a dick. But it's because you hate <laughs> the English though. No, it's not. I just no, but they are. But that they is kind of punching. They are us, punching down like by doing that. So if somebody with your accent, cool. I don't know does if they it. feel like they are to them though. I don't think they would consider it punching. No, but they don't get that they're not. But they are. But does not but, depend what they're saying. What? Aye, but it's never anything good. It's just even in general. It's just. <laughs> but so it's just it's like, never something positive. <laughs> it's just be. It's being a dick. <laughs> No, it's never, it's never something positive, to be fair. No one's ever like doing a Scottish accent like, I'm the most intelligent person in the world. Like, no, no, no one's ever done that. It's never that. John Logie Baird. No. Yeah. No. So, I don't know. It's just been, di- it's just been a dick. Di- I don't feel the need to, to do an accent that I don't feel, you know, I should be doing. So I'm just shy to accents, which take me out of this full conversation. This is true. I'm quite happy with. But, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I'm shy to accents too, but it doesn't stop me from trying. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can change Scottish. Oh, I'm I feel like I'm in enemy territory <laughs> because all our audience will hang you a dick. Amazing, surely I get a pass. Well, I mean, I bet you. You sound like you went to like private school. Right, let's get it, Ishan. Are you posh or no? What's going on? Oh my! You claim God. to be working class on Twitter all the time. I see it. Do you? Is that a thing? No. I, bro, yeah, I seen you were getting that. Well, this this is a fucking. I'm not fucking saying. Is you, you've been hitting it with shit yourself, but I just thought it'd be funny. Is it, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing, right? Because I guess I sound like I'm not working class. Uh-huh. That's one. Two. I went to private school. Right. Three, I was a banker for most well, for about six years of my career. Uh-huh. But, and this is the but, I went to private school on an academic scholarship because my parents were so poor. Right. Okay. So my my good. my th- thank you. Well done. Thank you. Well I'm a man of the people, I really am. <laughs> um so had I gone to state school, I would have definitely got free school meals. Yeah. Without okay. a shadow of a doubt. But my my dad was, you know, very like decidedly working class, mini cab driver for most of his life. Sure. We lived in rented accommodation my whole life. But my mum came from a very like powerful family. Uh-huh. So I ended up having quite a weird existence where we'd have no money and th- things would be really tough financially in the house and whatever else. You know, my mum would measure my shoes in Clark's and then we'd go to Shoe Zone and get the same shoes for a quid, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then every weekend we'd have like ambassadors and fucking you know world bank economists in the house because they're friends of my mum's right. how does that how does that translate so how how's just pals with ambassadors and shit because my so my my granddad on my mum's side he was a barrister who helped write the constitution of bangladesh right and my, <laughs> and my grandmother was a phd and poet laureate okay i was gonna yeah, okay. mess that one out um so but on my mum's side, going back three or four generations, they were all they were all quite powerful. Okay. Like my great 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 granddad was knighted for services to the empire, right. and they put that. I would love it if you did. And, uh, they put social work as the reason, but he was actually a spy. Uh, so right, he well. would like call the British and be like these Bengalis aren't paying their taxes <laughs> really what should we do about this bloody and hell fucking so hell. We, we got gifted four tea gardens 
<laughs> how do you feel about that? And how 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 do you do you? You don't hear what I said. We got gifted four tea gardens. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What's a tea garden? Garden where they make tea. But they make they grow tea. Yeah, they grow, grow tea. tea plants. Yeah, yeah. Tea, big tea plants. And then you can sell that and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, um, it's not cool, but yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah, so it's it's a weird. It is a weird <laughs> yeah. mix because. <laughs> There's so much about me that have I've got such middle class sensibilities, and I know that. Uh-huh. But when people say to me that I'm not working class, sometimes it just makes me feel a bit like you're completely denying such a huge part of my complete existence. Because uh-huh. I've got no friends from school, mainly because I was not a fun person. Right. Why not? <laughs> I was just a boring, studious kid. Right. And everyone lived half an hour away from me. They lived on the in the rich areas. Sure. Whereas I'd have to come back to my shitty council estate area, mm-hmm. suited and booted. See, here's my question, right? And I don't, again, I hope this isn't too, but see if your mom's got all these influential pals, do they never be like, how come you married this guy? To the da- to your dad? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so. Um, how did that all work? How did that? Uh, what, what I've, never t- I've never talked about the story of how my mom and dad met in right. public. I don't even want to ask. I don't know why I'm mad. No, no, I'm happy to. No, I'm happy to. Uh, I want to write a book about it one day. But basically, my mum, when she was 17. He said it was in shoes on, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy in Clarks, and then like she left with pain. He's like, ah, ah. fucking playing hard to get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mum and dad actually met in, the UK, in, in London. But my mum came in when she was 17. She married someone who was 21 years older than her, who used to beat the shit out of her, basically. Fuck. And my dad was the tenant on the ground floor of the house shed that they lived in. Uh-huh. And there's a whole load of things that happened where eventually my dad then said, my mum and my dad basically got together. Wow. Um, but they were from completely different tracks. Yeah. They were also from different countries, two countries that went into a massive civil war in 1971. Fucking hell. So when my dad went to Bangladesh for the first time in 1988 to meet my mum's family, my mum's sister sent 30 military officers to shoot my dad on sight. Fucking hell. Fuck, that's insane. Insane. Is that is that mental? And we're like, oh my gosh, she ghosted me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean like it's it's so different? So they never, yeah, so, yeah, so, so you never t- be never turned up, is that? No, no, they turned up. So basically, they just weren't very good. It must have been fucking shit. You see the plane? The plane's fucked. But, my dad was <laughs> but yeah, they went to shoot my dad on sight. But my mum got out of the plane and held me held me out like a human shield. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> What age, what age yeah. were you? I was. I would have been three and a half, four. Can you remember this? Like, no, this is this is all stories that, that I've been told from aunts and uncles and everything that happened at the time. Jesus so Christ. it was the head of the Bangladeshi army. My mum was like, what the fuck are you doing? And he was like, well, your sister sent me. She's like, I don't give a fuck who sent you. You can't come and shoot my husband. What the hell are you playing at? I was like, I'm the head of the fucking army. Why am I getting involved in this spat between two sisters? <laughs> and uh, he left. She made sure he left a military car to take us to her sister's house. And she just had a massive go at her. <laughs> Surrender stick. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> had a bit of a go at her afterwards. How oh, dare yeah. you? Um, and then so you dad... did this one more time, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually my dad became that sister's favourite. Wow, fucking hell, there you go. Yeah, sick. Yeah, lots of stuff. It must be a weird conversation, you know, when you get together, like, ah, I'm glad I didn't get you shot now, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, lots of, yeah, lots of intense stories like that. Bloody hell, man. No, definitely. So I don't know what I am, but I I have got some exposure. Well, I know what it's like to be working class. Aye. Because it was just my school hours that weren't. Yeah. The rest of it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was all your friends that they know that you like lived in a poorer area and stuff from from uh, yeah. private school? Yeah, yeah, they and did. Did they take the piss and stuff? Yeah, of course was... they did. Yeah, of course they did. Like, and this is the thing that relativity is such a difficult thing to get around. You know, Aye. it's not a huge deal. Let's say there were ski, like there were four ski trips a year. I never went on a single one. Of course I didn't because we didn't have the money. But you can imagine if you're a kid. You know, 12, 13, everyone's going on this ski trip. Everyone's got something to talk about. And I'm just there going, I need to change my shoes, I own shoes. Yeah. Like, everything's, you know what I mean? So yeah. it was just a bit of a different vibe. They were generally okay, but they found it, I think they found me a very curious person. Right. Yeah. Being in that school. Being quite good at Latin. 
as I was back then. <laughs> did they still do that at private schools? Make people learn yeah. fucking Latin? They did when I was there. That's nuts, isn't it? We had Saturday school as well when I started. Six, six days a week. You were yeah. there. What oh, did you do? Did you do something different on a Saturday? Or? No, just the same classes. Just classes, eh? Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Fuck that. I know. That's shite. I know. So, yeah. What the hell? I, I don't know if I answered the question. No, you did. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's no. quite, that's there quite you go, a... Rob Holland. Eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's not just posh. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, quite an interesting perspective. That was some laugh, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's just some laughs. All right? We also can have some interesting conversations. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a different weird perspective of being like a poor kid in a like a you know private yeah. school, and it's you mm. don't hear about that often, do you? No, mm. you don't. And. People still haven't because I haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. And I think maybe I should, but sometimes... Yeah, it, it's tricky, isn't it? Particularly on Twitter, Aye. there's zero nuance. And yeah. you don't want to be one of those people that's like, that pure tries to big up being more, or being working class. Because as you say, it's all relative to an extent. Yeah. And a lot of people do judge you in your accent as well, but it's like, I think like Fern's got a bit of like, she thought it was about how Scottish working class is different to like English people mean they talk about working class sometimes yeah. and stuff like that. But it's just, it's all it's also relative in like, you know, you just are what you are and you don't want to make that your identity. You want to just, especially if you're a I've comic. I've got plenty else going on. There's <laughs> so much else to talk about. Because <laughs> I guess it's so much to the accent and so people hear your accent and they probably make loads of assumptions based on it. Yeah, you know? they see my accent, they see the car I drive, my property portfolio. Like, oh, this guy. <laughs> talk, what was all it like, investments. What, speaking of which, what was it like being a banker? It was all right. Did what you did? cause the... <laughs> The cl- collapse of the economy. Yeah, yeah, me single handed. <laughs> uh, I definitely did things that helped. <laughs> Big boy. Were you there? Stuff. Were you doing it prior to two thousand eight? Yeah. Were you? I was there two thousand five to two thousand eight. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I don't ask why you're not a banker anymore. Is that well, why? yeah, there was absolutely one hundred percent to do with that. But when you're work, you know, when you work in these environments and you're like, I was twenty one, you do the things that your bosses are doing. Right. And you also try and do things to impress because that's what the environment is. I remember at 21 buying a 600 pound bottle of champagne just to impress the head of a European desk right. who didn't give a fuck about me. What to try and like, yeah, to try and get like on his desk and try and impress him because you're 21, 22, you're still learning your way in the world, trying to work out how to negotiate yeah. this thing of working in the, in the city like that. Um, and it was very fast paced, it was very high paced. Eventually, I moved from that into doing something called private banking. So I was basically an investment banker for celebrities. So right. all my clients were kind of footballers, actors, actresses, and that was quite a nice can you tell us thing who? to do. I can now. I mean, people like Rio Ferdinand, wow. uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Really? Uh, what was he investing in? A comedian. Have uh, you? <laughs> I was going to ask, have you bumped into people in your life yeah, as a comic yeah. now that you used to be... It is for. weird when you are filming QI <laughs> and one of the panellists hears your voice and goes, where do I know that voice from? Fuck. And then you say, 2006, Barclays Wealth. And goes, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing here? That is wild. <laughs> that is fucking wild, man. That's great. So you're, you're a Man United fan, right? I am, yes. Yeah. So, like, being in charge of Rio's finances, that yeah. must be fucking mad. Man. It was mad. Like, all the... I, I was there... I was there when uh, we had Carlos Tevez and Anderson. I don't know if you remember those two mm-hmm. players. Yeah. And I had to go up to Old Trafford and, you know, being a United fan of my life, and suddenly I'm in here. And I was waiting at the reception and Tevez and Anderson had obviously just finished an English lesson because they were going down the steps, counting each step, going, a one, a two, a two. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. I was like, this is sick. And then they got to 10 and they high-fived each other. And I was like, this these guys so much they're so cute Tevez was like number 32 as well you yeah. think he'd have counted high yeah. enough yeah exactly <laughs> was um, he not a psycho as well Tevez no was he alright I didn't do those sessions I mainly did they used to get like a Portuguese or Spanish translator in to do the other ones for those guys right Um, a big bulk of mine were the English players and the English youth players I remember going to Arsenal when there was a, a young Jack Wilshire who was just like leaning out of his chair one ear like earphone in, just not giving a flying fuck about a word I was saying. Wow. <laughs> and I remember and you the... try to tell them how to invest money. Yeah, and stuff just because they were young. You know, these are young working class boys earning 60, 70, 80, 90 grand a week. Yeah. And I'm there, also similarly young, but trying to tell them, look, you've got to be wise about this money because one day you're going to fucking run out. That's yeah. what happens. 
and uh, they're like, I don't need to listen <laughs> to you. And of course they don't. Yeah. In hindsight, why the fuck was I there? Yeah. I shouldn't be giving them this advice. And then... What sort of things were you telling them to invest in, like property and that? Or? Yeah, it was different things. We used to have like different things that you could encourage them to invest in investment products, property, you know, businesses. Um, main thing was just trying to, I can't say who, but there was one particular client who bought a Bentley a week <laughs> That's for That's five insane. weeks. That's crazy. Why? <laughs> Why the fuck would you? His girlfriend do? didn't like the colour, or <laughs> but he liked it, so he kept it. And then he wanted some extra, like some loans to build a bigger garage to house the Bentleys he just bought. And you're like, what the? What was yours? What did you tell him? Did I stop fucking buying Bentleys? <laughs> 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 you can't drive them all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> to be fair, that is good advice. I think advice. Martin Lewis say that. Stop buying Bentleys. Are these fucking millennials with the, the lattes? Bentleys. Bentleys, I know, I know. It was mad. But also, I partly don't blame them either. No. Like there's you'll be familiar like the kind of places these kids came from to make it as a footballer is fucking impossible and then mm. you make it and you're one of the only ones from the estate and you're raking in 90 grand a week you're gonna think i need to flex this shit yeah because you're 21 22 years old you've got an england cap come in you know it's madness but forget even the premier league players i did a lot of championship players and they're on 10, 20, 30 grand a week themselves. Aye. Still like more than a lot of people make in a year. Yeah, well, their lifetime even. You know what I mean? And yeah. so there was a lot of money floating about. And as a 21, 22-year-old, it was weird giving them advice because I'd give them advice with all this money they'd got. I just got a salary, which was nowhere near as much as that. Yeah. yeah. So it was a bit of a weird... Yeah. What's the biggest like example of hubris you think you see neither between bankers or, or any of your clients and stuff like is there ever i mean that bentley thing is a pretty good example but like did you ever just or even the end that was sort of foreshadowing the crash of like this is a <laughs> bit too far here with the money we're spending well the, one of the weirdest things i remember one of the weirdest things that experiences of my life was we were doing some negotiating on some so rear ferdinand's got um a magazine called five so we were part of the early investment group that helped him with that. Mm -hmm. And um, do you remember Kia Jurabchian? No. Thanks. Kia Jurabchian was this agent who was an agent for like Anton Ferdinand and a few other people. Right. And we were doing some dealings with him. We negotiated everything in our office. And then he said, oh, come down, um, come and meet some friends of mine at Mayfair Casino. This was about 11 p.m. I walk in. John Gregory and Peter Reed are there. <laughs> Two of the most random people <laughs> on the planet. Who are they? John Gregory. Oh, really? John Gregory was Aston Villa manager yeah. when Villa were really great. Really? And Peter, Peter Reed, Sunderland. Died now, Peter Reed. Uh, Peter Reed, the guy with White Hair? White Hair, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Peter Reed and John Gregory are there. The key directions are these, this is John and Peter. Not all right, what are we doing? And he goes, oh, we're going to spend the rest of the night at the casino. They spaffed about £170,000. Fucking hell. Just. Then Kia left uh, with me. It must be three in the morning. And he goes, right, uh, I'm going to talk to you about a loan tomorrow for a hundred grand. And I know that I would have been able to arrange that very easily for him. Mm -hmm. Even though I just saw him be very reckless with money. <laughs> <laughs> That's an ex example of why not to learn so much. Right, right, exactly. So then, very, I, 170 grand exactly yeah, is very much yeah. I need to And know. then I remember as I was, when I went to work the next day, that was the first time I thought to myself, oh, none of this is real. Like, we get shafted for our credit ratings. Kia Jarabchen, there's no way he could have had a good credit rating. It's impossible. Yeah. But you just make it happen yeah and then i ended up you know i don't know if you ever heard about something called the libor it's really boring london interbank offer rate so this was the one of the first things that caused the crash right so the libor is the rate that banks give each other uh-huh and there are some mortgages and some i can't believe i'm talking about this in a fucking no no i'm i'm interested okay. in this sorry listen i'm funnier than this come and see me <laughs> uh, but when you're doing like quite complicated financial products, mortgages for big properties, Aye. you can fix it the LIBOR because it's a lower rate than the bank interest rate. Right. But what I didn't know is you could also just, if the LIBOR was a bit too high, say 1.7%, you could call the product office and say, oh, can you just 
knock that down a bit. (laughs) That gets knocked down. What then happens is that causes a ripple effect in pensions, in oil prices. If any product that is banked tacked to the LIBOR gets fucked. So when the 2008 financial crisis happened, there was a liquidity problem. There wasn't enough cash in the system anyway. But all the products that were based on LIBOR were just completely losing their value. And I didn't realize that me doing that or other people doing that would have such a huge impact on people's mortgages. You just don't think about it because that's what everyone else is doing. Fucking hell. Fuck's sake. So, some laughs. (laughs) Male and dead. (laughs) But did you, so you, if you phoned them up, you could do that and then, but you knew though that it was going to affect things like oil and stuff. No, no, no. You you didn't know that? All you know is I'm just getting a cheaper rate for my client. Mm hmm. They want a mortgage, I'm going to get them 1.5% instead of 1.7. Yeah. Save them X hundred pounds a month, whatever. Wow. What I don't know is that LIBOR is connected to a whole suite of mortgage products that people like you, you, you have got, or your parents have got, and suddenly, to make up for the loss of that 0.2%, their mortgage has gone up. Oh, oh pension's going to do nothing. Fucking hell. We well, remake the big shot, but with uh, John Gregory and yeah. <laughs> Margot Robbie in the bath explaining. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before we move on for this, then, and we'll get on to lighter topics, we are obviously, of course, living through a cost of living crisis at the moment. Yeah. Is there anything that you learned from your time in banking, or even since then, that you could give us some sort of Martin Lewis esque um, financial so advice? Say, how are you to blame for that? As well? yeah, 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 yeah. This is not financial advice, but have you got any, 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 any things, even for us yeah. or for the listeners? But what would you advise us to do? Be rich. <laughs> right. You know how those clips you get on Twitter, it's like these mad bros talking about financial advice. Like if I was homeless, I would do yeah. X, Y, and Z, ask people for books and that. This is, this is the clip we're going to use. So whatever mm. you say here. Financial advice for you, Shanak. I am legally not allowed to give any financial <laughs> advice. Is that right? Is that uh, part of your severance package? Yeah. <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> yeah, not allowed to. Fair enough. But I will say this to comics and anybody else watching, uh-huh. try your best to diversify whatever money you get in. And what I mean by that is, and this is something that I do, uh-huh. keep percentages for your income. So 20% should go towards your taxes. 20% should go towards your investments and or savings. And the rest you can try and live off. Right. What I try and do is live off 50% of everything I earn. The 20% that I put towards my investments, because there's no point saving anymore. Savings aren't going to do anything for you. Because the interest rate. Because the interest rate. But now they're slightly ramping they're up a bit. Up. No, yeah, yeah. But it's always better to make investments because over the course of a five, 10 year period, mm-hmm. the returns you get from investments are always going to be better than you get from savings. Pretty right. much. Um, I can't believe we're doing this on the podcast. <laughs> no, that's the first useful thing I've got out of doing. <laughs> from the 20% that you invest, what I like to do is a 10, 20, 30, 40 model. So 10% on very high-risk, sexy investments, your cryptos, Aye, your Dogecoin, gonna... whatever you want. Yeah, and a crypto. We can get... It's a load of bollocks. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. but if you can swing 10% of it to make some money, great. Your 40%, depending on how how much you can afford to, 40% should be on safer bets, like your bonds, things that are tied to governments and things like that. 20 or 30%, you save... Uh, I put 30%, say, towards... Um, ISAs and other safe bet investments like that and 20% towards property investments if you can I had I had an ISA once I think you had one once you don't have it anymore I don't think so yeah. I've never how do you be this unsure about whether I mean, you think it's not something that you, like your mum buys you like yeah, yeah. something as a wee guy uh, and then yeah. you just forget about forget it, about it yeah. what happens to it does he, do I still have that yeah probably unless you've cashed it out unless your mum's cashed it out to what does that like? <laughs> can that could that be built up? To a point? Only if she's adding more money in. All right, so it's probably still like a tenor that I can yeah. claim back. <laughs> Just got a tenor yeah. sitting there. Yeah, cool. Probably. I would say, particularly to all comics, I think comedians, you know, our career is mental. Aye, don't have a pension or that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So if you can just try and get to this point, saying for every hundred quid, fifty of it is what I spend. But you need to be wearing a lot of money before you get that luxury if you get bills to pay and all the rest of it, yeah? Yeah, well, there's that. So if you can afford to live off the 50%, great, or maybe even make it 60%. Mm-hmm. But try your best now, as you start earning more and more money, to try and put some aside for investments. Right. Because our careers are very, very unpredictable. This is true. And 
join the Patreon. Yes. Yes. Yeah, please join the You Patreon. can invest in us. They really need the to invest in them. Invest in these boys. Yes. Good Scottish Spunk handsome boys. Good, <laughs> handsome, and cute Scottish boys. <laughs> and Steve. I'm the cute one. <laughs> He's the cute one. I'm oh, the cute one. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I've actually wanted to meet Stuart for a long time because every time I've seen him on the podcast, I'm like, he's got this debonair, deep, sexy thing going on about him. He like, does. I know. People would like to be in his aura. Would you believe me and him used to get mixed up? I don't believe that. <laughs> people, someone done it in a recent episode. Gareth called you Stuart. People, people Gareth used Moore. to. Gareth Much. Gareth Much. Okay, yeah. oh, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when you were carrying a bit more weight, we looked a bit more similar. Yeah, it's so. not that fun being in his orbit because basically, just women never pay any attention. They always just look at Stuart. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, the price he pays for that. His personality, uh, clearly. <laughs> so that's the price I've not been trying on that front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Didn't have to. God gather. He's probably the worst away. lover out of all of us. He doesn't need to try. <laughs> I'm incredibly enthusiastic. Yeah, I can. I can imagine. Can you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have done in some yeah. occasions. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I actually uh, learned. Okay, basically, I was voted most likely to remain a virgin at the age of 25 at school oh, right. so at 18 when I got to I was going to say who's doing this poll <laughs> it, it was a school yearbook thing you it was a school yearbook thing so when I was 18 I got to uni I found a book about women's sexual health right and there was a whole thing about the clitoris Jesus and I studied just <laughs> advisors like you just did on investments I, yeah, <laughs> I studied about that I can but, how much percent should they be putting into the class? <laughs> uh, you should actually you should actually mix up the things you're doing. Fingers tongue and mouth, you know, different percentages. But um, I I can confidently say on the podcast that's going to be in public domain. No woman has ever been disappointed with how well I lick pussy <laughs> because I learned. <laughs> I learned. I really learned. If anyone out there would like to challenge that, then... <laughs> Martin Lewis say that. <laughs> There's not one, not one. And if they are, they're and, lying. And all from that book, or did you sort of did you take that and run with it and, and learn? It's you... mainly from the book, and then of course you have to apply the theory, don't you? Yes. Mm. Which I had. There was a three-year window between my learning and the application. Yeah. <laughs> Being in the lab versus the that field. knowledge for three years. Um, yeah. I, I genuinely had notes. I genuinely had no. Can That's you remember, weird. Anna? Can you regard, just take some of these notes? I'm not us? giving you my fucking trade secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there can't be much to it than like that bit. No. Is it going more? There's bit? a way to lick it, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> you can't like say a stamp, right? Take a stamp for example. Mm -hmm. If you lick it, it could just get stuck on your tongue. There's a way you've got to dab it to make sure it goes onto the. And you need enough saliva so that it goes from your mouth to the envelope and not dry out. Right. That's just a stamp. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, do you know what? See, even you're describing you describing that, it was incredibly it, sexy. Like, <laughs> actually, he's talking a bit of sense here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> How are you licking that? Yeah. Fucking... <laughs> what the hell? Well, I mean, my fair play to you. And did, you, did you think did that help then? Because then when you finally got into sort of practicing it and then does what because you know does word spread about oh, he knows what he's doing actually and then that gets you more I'll tell you what does spread uh... <laughs> <laughs> the last nosey shan just went <laughs> uh, I guess word does spread because I've had um, I mean there's, it's not like I started getting calls from random women saying I, I heard you uh, <laughs> word it, on the street is. <laughs> yeah um, I have had exes like get back in touch yeah I can and imagine. be like oh I'm, I miss miss you can you come and what have a no not, not have a relationship just just do that, do that part again for me, please. Interesting. I would say that is my number one sexual skill. Right? <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of lingus. So what's lingus. your second best? We fingering. always ask people. This, so <laughs> <laughs> it's fingering. It's like it's, it's a package deal. Yeah, a what? A package deal. Yeah, a package deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, fingering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you know you don't want to do it. One and two. 
Look how red he's got. That's shocking. You shouldn't do that in that film. I'm asking if you're doing one and two at the same time, okay? Yeah, you do one and two, and let's move on from this film. Fingering is also, you know, it's not, it's not a piston. You know, it's a come hither movement. That's what you've got to do. The roof of their vagina is the most. Sensitive part. Jesus Christ. This is getting hot. You should have your own YouTube channel, man, with just advice for (laughs) for men. (laughs) And did you break your virginity before 25? Crucially, yeah. No, I'm virgin still. (laughs) (laughs) Never got past that stage. (laughs) What is sex? Yeah, yeah, 21, I was sexually assaulted. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, man. It's all right. This is like the... I just can't take a Because <laughs> 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 as a 21-year-old, it's like, yeah, I'm having sex. And then later you're like, oh, I, I, she took she took my virginity. What she did. By a woman? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Fucking hell. So you're like, how, how does is... that work? I... <laughs> I was asleep. Right, okay, fair enough. I woke up to her giving me a blowjob. Right. So at 21, you're like, this is great. This is the dream, isn't it? Surely. And then she... Straddled me, fucked me, uh-huh. and then she we carried on fucking for six months after. Right, and then about five years later, I was like, I oh. didn't think I wanted that. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. But I did at the time. Don't feel sorry for me. Mm. That's what I you, you okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you okay? It's now? okay not to be. Yeah, it's, it's okay not to be okay. Well, fucking hell. There we go. Anything else you want to know? This has been a roller coaster. <laughs> <remote. laughs> <Two plans. laughs> How did you get any comments? <laughs>
you know, I remember speaking to my dad. My dad's been stabbed by members of the National Front three times. Fucking hell. Um, he's quite annoying, to be fair. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Is that your mum's sister? That's yeah, yeah. My dad is like, you know, to him, and I agree with him, it is an impossibility that I'd be traipsing up and down the country by myself doing comedy. Aye. Yeah. It's impossible. It's an impossibility to him that I'd go to rural Scotland, get on a train into town, and just walk around and just do my thing and not have something happen to to me. Yeah. He still today, because of the experiences he had, sometimes gets worried about what happened what will happen to me at night after a gig. Mm -hmm. But I walk around with zero concern. And that is only because we are not in the world that my dad and granddad was in. That's not to say there isn't racism. Of course there is. I always have to caveat that. But I would much rather be in my position than my dad's. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And sometimes I think there's a tendency amongst <clears throat> minority groups, be it race, sexuality or gender, to fetishise a struggle beyond the reality of what it's like and fetishise it beyond... They, they want it to be like it used to be to justify the way they feel about things sometimes. Right. Because I'm like, it's perf It's easy being Asian in the UK. That's why do you say that? Generally speaking, it's much easier now than it was for my dad's generation. Yeah, but it doesn't make it. That doesn't mean it's easy. I know no, it's an easier. But... Easy. Okay, fine. It's easier. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean like I would rather be here now than yeah. here 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. But then people would maybe argue that shouldn't the bar be higher or that you want to get to a point where yeah. it wouldn't be a factor at all. Or sure, but I think it's a bit too idealistic. Sure. I can see I'd that. rather be Asian in the UK than anywhere in mainland Europe. Mm. That makes sense. Well, fair enough. I'd rather be called a packy in real. I'm <laughs> <laughs> called a packy in... What's the city beginning with R? Rome. Reykjavik. Reykjavik. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> right. Well, fair enough, man. I think it wasn't. And I'd rather be called Louis Capaldi in Rome. Than Louis Capaldi in Reykjavik. I'd be called in Rome, to be honest. Are you going to have to put a trigger warning on this episode to say there might be some racial slurs used? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> We should. No. I mean, I don't think you should. No. How would you know. feel if we bleeped out every time you said that? Not that we're going to do that. I don't think. But just what would we you censored you? I we download it. it. Uh -huh. Record me saying <laughs> it, <laughs> and put up your. I put over you guys saying it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll put your voice over mine. Going, how do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> But in real, apart from that aside, we bonded, didn't we? We did bond, and we tried to write a sitcom about your mum meeting my dad or something. Yeah, that's right. It was like a stepbrothers uh, yeah. across the, the nation. Like I still Scotland think it should happen. Yeah, but remember, I bumped into you at the uh, Channel 4 thing. I was steaming it. I, I was steaming too. And I was like, yeah, let's write that sitcom. And you're like, nah. No, that's not true. That's not true. I was just steaming. His career's going to be a bit better now than the last time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I still want to write that because I think it's really funny. I think, I think it's, it's good. I think we should do it for sure. Yeah. We're kind of an Akbar going to write us to come together. You should get them to meet in real life and see what happens first and then maybe use it as... Well, that was the... Because I think we spoke about the whole uh, arc of the series would be up to this point where they meet and then at the end they were like, nah, nah we yeah. don't want to be together. Yeah, actually. but the whole series was just us two really trying hard to make this amazing romance work. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. then they were like, nah, I don't fancy him. Fancy them, yeah. You should be teaching your dad a thing or two about fucking licking pussy. <laughs> 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 do you know what? I actually think, like, do you know if your dad's got a bigger dick than you? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if you. How would you? How would you know? I think I've only seen, seen it when I was a wee guy. So yeah, I, I was compared it to. I have a memory of seeing my dad's dick from when I was like last week. No, <laughs> about when I was about twelve or thirteen, and mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure his dick is much bigger than my dick. <laughs> Is that why you've had to overcompensate? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think my dad was absolutely fine on that department. Yeah. But it would seem a lot bigger when you're younger. Perspective. No, because Perspective, I feel like yeah. his one, his penis went over the balls and mine don't. <laughs> maybe his balls are really high up. Yeah, yeah maybe. Maybe yes. grape-sized balls. I'm, I'm a grower. Would you, would you consider asking him now? Why don't, or maybe next time you're in the, you know, on a night out, going to the bathroom next to him in the urinal. 
Can we peek over? Quick swag. You think my dad comes out in a night out? <laughs> <laughs> my Muslim father is out there. We used to you never <laughs> are in a place with your dad outside. <clears throat> You want to go for dinner with your dad? Why, why would I not just do it in the house? Just go to Well, because you've not got a urinal in your house, do you? <laughs> you know the next to you. You know what my house he's is gonna, like. He's gonna go to, uh, uh, are you going to get a fucking bathroom in the bathroom and stand you next to him in the toilet? Like. <laughs> You're right. Okay, yeah. Going out for dinner is a good one to do. Yeah. Or I'll follow him and try and take a peek. I think my dad is packing. That's good. It <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel insecure because I know he's packing more than I am. Oh, he's going for the same demographic of... <laughs> Of women? Well, I'm trying to my I'm trying to set my dad up with women at the moment. Really? It's tricky. It's hard. How are you going about it? Just trying to find divorced or widowed women in their sixties. Yeah. Because my dad is a widower. Yeah. So trying to find the same kind of pain. It's it's tough going. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing though? You're on like Tender things on corkboards around town. Yeah. <laughs> When I when I when I when I like <coughs> meet them at events or stuff, I'm like, are you are you yeah, single? Are you looking like as your how did you did your is your dad like that bothered about it or um kind of as his near retirement he's a bit like oh maybe I should meet someone it's been yeah. eight years since your mum died oh it's been eight, eight nine years so maybe yeah, I should yeah. but I think he's a bit worried about how people are gonna perceive him yeah. But I'm like, Dad, you're a stud. Fucking get out there. Yeah, absolutely. Let everyone see that massive cock of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like having five Bentleys in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's out there now, so maybe, maybe someone will get in touch. If you're, if you're, uh, preferably an Asian woman in your sixties, uh-huh. or uh, an amenable white woman in your sixties, <laughs> get in touch. My dad is a paramedic. Former cricketer for Pakistan in the under 19s. Great cook. Almost shot. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. He's seen some shit. Yeah. Nice. He's seen some shit. Uh, and as I said, massive, massive dong. That obviously did come at a very inopportune time earlier on, but I am interested in how you went from doing banking to becoming doing comedy. So I was a banker, I was a government policy advisor, I was a speechwriter, so I've done a few different really? jobs. Wow. And in all those jobs, I always had like a side creative thing. So I was a Bollywood dance choreographer. Were you from really? From the age of 11 to about 24. Wow. And then I did some Amdram for a bit. Uh-huh. And then I just did comedy as a side thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you were a Bollywood dance choreographer and the people at your school didn't think you get laid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. I mean, but it was just like a thing that I did. You've done it up to 24 and then did you get laid and you're like, Fucking don't need it. I, I got laid at twenty one, actually, Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, it was yeah. three years of celebrating in true Bollywood style. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, fifty dancers behind me going, "I just got laid." <laughs> it's like when people do that for a proposal, but you're yeah. just doing that after yeah, getting your same. first shag. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so comedy. When I started comedy, purely as a hobby. I didn't know any comedians. The only comedians I'd heard of were Mickey Flanagan, Michael McIntyre, Russell Peters, and Paul Chowdhury. Yeah. And one of them you're going on tour. You've been on tour with, Mickey. Yes. That must be quite a fucking weird, serial thing. That is that is a weird thing. Because when I f- first did warm-up for Mickey, about two weeks after I got signed, I was like, I know him. He's famous. He's a famous person. So here I am with a famous person doing this thing that was a hobby. Yeah. And that was the first time when I was like, Oh, maybe I should take comedy seriously. Yeah. Um, no dreams of becoming a comedian. No aspirations. It was just a thing that I did and then fell in love with. Amazing. Kind of like an arranged marriage, really. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You've, with arranged marriages, they're always like, you you know, you fall in love eventually. Really? I think that's what happened with comedies. I fell in love with it eventually. So I don't think I have the same kind of like desperation for it to work that's some comics might do. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing, but I think it plays to my advantage because I don't get that wound up about stuff in comedy. Because mm. obviously you're doing well now, but you still, have you still got that attitude of like, well, if this doesn't work out or if you stopped, you wouldn't be that arsed? I just become a sex therapist. Well, <laughs> you, you're in, uh, you're going to be in sex education, is that right? Yep. And does this tie into, is this where you learned all your licking? Someone saw you eating pussy and thought, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is the guy. Um, yeah, sex education was just a complete, I can't really explain how 
random and lucky it was, really. It's madness. Is it a big part? Or is it... It, yeah, it is. You're not really allowed to talk about the part. I can't really too talk much, about yeah. the part. I yeah. can't really tell you the specific, but it's a it's a very um, notable part. Cool. Um, it's a part with lines. Good. And it's a part with a fair level of seniority in the context of the whole show. That's great. Um, and it was another one of those things where I had no idea I'd ever become an actor. Yeah. Had you done acting before? Only Amdram and like I. And all the Andram roles I did were just like your friend Manny, just the brown guy in that thing. You know? Yeah, I was in Oklahoma the musical, and I played the Persian peddler, uh. and he was a philanderer, and that was it. So I'd never done any acting. I went for an audition, completely unprepared for the audition because I had um, a gig in Bristol that night. Yeah. At this point, I'd done a few auditions, and I fucking hate them. I don't know if you guys have done any self tapes or auditions. Yeah, yeah, they're horrible. And then. <clears throat> I went to the thing. I told the woman, I don't know the script. I'm really sorry. <laughs> and also, everybody's wearing tweed, and I've just got an overshirt on. I'm just completely unprepared for this. She goes, don't worry about it. Just read. So I read. We did three takes of each scene. I felt like each take was getting worse. <laughs> At one point, I apologized to her and said, I'm so sorry. She goes, no, just keep doing what you're doing. It's fine. I was like, all right, she's very nice. Uh-huh. I left. I called my agent, and I said, I don't want to do auditions again. I fucking hate them. That afternoon, I did another audition for a comedian called Laura Smith, mm-hmm. uh, who was doing a pilot for a BBC Three thing, and I nailed it. That was, I was like, there is no way I'm not getting this. Next day, Laura says, we've gone a different direction. And I was like, fucking bitch. <laughs> How dare, I oh, smashed that. Wasn't even thinking about sex education. Three weeks later, I'm in Liverpool to film the Have a Word, another podcast, restaurant special. Mm-hmm. My agent says, where are you? I said, I'm in Liverpool. He goes, what are you doing? Are you coming back to London? I said, no, I'm going to stay here and get hammered because it's Liverpool. He said, can you please not? I said, why? He goes, well, you've got to go to Cardiff tomorrow to do a wardrobe fitting for sex education. Wow. And I went, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, they loved you. They loved your tape. I'm like, I, what? So two o'clock in the morning, I got back to my hotel room, 6 a.m. train, down to Cardiff, wardrobe fitting. I did some scenes. <clears throat> first scene I did with Asa Butterfield, mm. who's in Boy with the Striped Pajamas. I asked him if he'd been on the program long. <laughs> he is the lead. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've not watched the show. <laughs> Did you tell him you'd been working in a restaurant the night before? <laughs> <laughs> when you got racially abused in Wales, was it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then he was like, when I asked him, are you the lead? He goes, are you taking the piss? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just my sense I'm of I'm a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, he followed, we followed each other on Instagram, gave me his number. And I just kind of scrolled down and he had like this picture of him on GQ magazine. I was like, oh, why have you got your, why have you got your moon pick card up on this? And he goes, no, no, that's not GQ. I was like, are you on the cover in GQ? That's sick, bruv. And then I scroll up. I've got 12 and a half thousand followers. Uh-huh. He had 5.8 million. Fucking <laughs> oh, hell. Damn. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Well, maybe closer to him soon once that comes out. I don't know about that. I think a lot of my friends are convinced that this is going to be my fucking whatever moment. Like my End of your moment. career. Like but 15 I, I just, I think it's a lovely thing to have done. It would be amazing if some nice opportunities came off the back of it. Yeah. Which I imagine they will. Hopefully. It gives you a tiny bit of credibility, doesn't it, to say you've done your Netflix success, sex education. But yeah. I'm not expect. I still want to just, you know, in two years, come back and sell out the stand. Yeah, that's my only ambition at the moment. You know, oh, I've you've got been 100... on this podcast now that you're yeah, going to sell it out easy peasy. So, I yeah, that's my only focus. But everything else is just a bonus, and I'm just enjoying the ride. That's good. Okay. So is that all filmed? That's in the can. All filmed is going to come out later in the year. Yeah. How did you find that? Actually, you said you'd had no real desire to be an actor, but when you're actually on set, and that were you? Did you? I really enjoyed it. Turns out I'm fucking good at it. <laughs> I'm really talented. Yeah. I sometimes don't appreciate my own talent, Mark. No. Well, the thing is, I've spoke to a few women that we are mutual friends with, and they've actually said that you're very talented as well. I don't know what they're talking about exactly, but I can. I think you've given us a few clues today. <laughs> How long was it between like the costume and then actually filming the thing? Was two it days. Two days. So, yeah. So November, and we finished filming in February. February, March. Yeah, February. 
And how long was it shoot? Sure like four full days, months? yeah. And it was like I think I did nine, maybe ten shoot days, right? In total. Uh, also, acting is boring. <laughs> like they'll get, get a car in for six in the morning. Around, yeah. yeah, and then I remember I did like a we blocked out a scene at eight in the morning. The next time I was back in doing any lines was five forty-five p.m. I watched the Bernie Madoff documentary on Netflix in my trailer. <laughs> Still getting a wee hand in the old financial game. <laughs> yeah but um it was an amazing experience and still still unfathomable to me because i'm just a fat deaf brown dude <laughs> with wonky teeth and here i am doing uh, a netflix show it's kind of mad believe in your dreams kids <laughs> it's all possible <laughs> it's all possible <laughs> You're speaking about being deaf, heard, but uh... sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> Is that so? What tells about? That? I love how much you hate. You hated that joke so much. I, die, I love it. You can dad. see it. <laughs> you like fucking good. prick. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Um, What's your question about my deafness? I just want. Can you enlighten us about that? When did you become? Have you? Uh, when did you become deaf? Did, when, when did you start wearing a hearing aid? Uh, Mid twenties. Uh huh. I had five operations. Right, they hell. took away all the soft bone in both my ears, replaced them with titanium plates. Wow. Which, when you look like this, you're trying to travel abroad. It's uh, a fucking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Twice I've been stopped. I'm practically <laughs> naked. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I'm like, it's in my ears. And like, what? what is in your ears? And I'm like, what's. Well, it's not a bomb, is it? Like, is, <laughs> that's not what we've done, is it? Like, <laughs> what, what's the problem? I imagine that point they go, what do you mean we? we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I lost 60% of hearing in both my ears, but I've actually got these brand new hearing aids. They're, they're amazing. Guess how much they were. They're Bluetooth, multi-directional. I can change the trouble on it. I'm going to guess free on the NHS? No. Free on the NHS? 500. 500. Uh, a grand? £2,500. Pair one. For a pair. That is too much. That's a lot. Too much for hearing aids. Would you not get that free on the... I think the NHS you get yeah, the Yeah, my, my dad's got... Yeah. Them yeah, I shite. had the free ones uh, yeah. for, until now, but they, you can't really do anything. Uh, that's how you get that Netflix money. I'm fucking going to spend on myself. Yeah. Glasses. Hearing aids. Got an Invisalign appointment next week. Yeah. <laughs> That's the nice classes as well. Yeah, thanks, mate. Got flirt swindled for these classes. What? I got flirt swindled for them. Flirt? Oh, did you? Yeah. You, you, you I tried the frames on, and this, the hottest Spanish woman you've ever seen in your life, yeah, walked up to me and don't know what she sprayed on her wrists, but as she went to fix my glasses, she went, "Your face is so symmetrical," and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck me, I'm in." No, which is so stupid because you think, "Oh, why? Why do we think? All oh, right, I now need to do everything." She said, "We're not. You're yeah, never going to." Get men, with we them. are men are stupid, yeah. right? Because yeah. the whole time she was talking to me, I was like, "She wants me." <laughs> she could possibly be yeah. she's selling me glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It couldn't possibly be. She must no. have heard about all the good uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, she she must know. She's seen my fingers. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> and then we got to the till, and she was like, the last person who got this configuration of glasses was the nephew of the Crown Prince of Dubai. I was like, yeah, I've got Crown Prince of Dubai fucking money. Of course I have. Yeah. And then she put the numbers through and I was like, I, I don't have Crown Prince of Dubai. <laughs> That's the oldest sales technique in the book. And they tell you oh, a fucking, yeah. oh, this fucking celebrity used to own this car or whatever. Like, And the thing is, is I knew it was happening, Aye. but I fell for it. You still don't care, do you? No. It's like something you try and talk your Ferdinand out of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even think her name was Senorita. I kept saying it. She's probably be selling that guy all the Bentleys. Yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> good. Anyway, yeah. How's it been supporting Mackie Flanagan? Yeah, it's okay. been great, man. We're doing bigger and bigger venues, um, and it's been uh, interesting learning to play those bigger rooms because your pacing changes. Uh, what the audience want from you is different from when what you challenge them. yourself to do because. Yeah, because you were saying because we were speaking before we recorded about um, obviously you you were open, you're doing the Apollo recently opening for mm. Mickey, but you've done obviously live at the Apollo mm. recently, mm. and um, obviously when you're opening, they're there to see somebody else. You're kind of warming up the crowd, yeah. whereas live at the Apollo, they're all up for it. Yeah, you know, big... and at the Apollo show, you know, you've got hundreds of people coming in, and I got a briefing through because I'm doing nine o twos with him, and basically they said that the gigs are going to be awful because 
there'll be thousands of people mm. still coming in. The acoustics are terrible. Yeah. So just to, that's nine nights at the O2 Arena. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking unbelievable. Um, What's the capacity of that? Like, 20,000. 20,000? <sighs> Fuck me. You're playing 100,000, well, nearly 100,000 people. I know. Fucking hell. Isn't that mad? M- why me? Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> Do you know what? Everything that happens, everything that's happened in my career to uh-huh. this point, and Touchwood, I'm incredibly grateful and thankful for all those opportunities. I promise you, I cannot fathom any of it. Because <laughs> I'm there going, I'm I'm not that funny. <laughs> like, I'm funny. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm funny. Like, I do... When I get applause breaks at gigs sometimes, right? Every gig. When I get applause, <laughs> when I get applause breaks, I'm like, no, th- this isn't that funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> do, you, do, you ever, do you ever feel well, that about comedy, yourself? Comedy yeah. is, like, shagging a lot, though, because sometimes... Because you do it... <laughs> See, after you do it so many times, you think. All right, so Mark. You know, <laughs> you know what the no, 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 no. You know what the, you know what you the response usually is. So sometimes you're like, sometimes you're like, fucking. That usually gets more, and sometimes you're like, I'm not that good. <laughs> it was so sweet. I did the I did the Glasgow show, and two people messaged to say, of all the shows I've seen at GICF this year, yours was the best, and it was a beautiful message. So sweet. No one has to do that. My immediate response was, how shit was everyone else? <laughs> and it's not, I mean, look, uh, yeah, it's weird. I still. I, I just know. thought it was, I've been to see Stuart McPherson and Mark James. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sold out your, uh, you've added a second date, right? Yeah, they, yeah, I've done them now. Yeah, yeah. How were they? Yeah, they were great, man. It was really fun. That's yeah, awesome. It's a good room, right? King's Theatre. Fucking hell. Yeah, it was amazing. What used to? I done Leicester, uh, Phoenix, Phoenix Cinema. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 80, yeah. 80 sold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you done it? You done Leicester? Yeah, no, I haven't. No. no. You should try it. I should try it, yeah. Thanks. I did a big difference. How, how many seats? 90. Oh, that's marginally oh. more. Yeah, Actually, not, not a big difference between well, those two. Yeah. <laughs> My venue is 120, so it's only sold 80. So. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I did, yeah, Winchester. 195 seats and I sold 102 oh, that's good that's not bad is it it's mm-hmm. alright see when it gets big on Netflix and all that at least we've now got a recording of like you know if you get big and everyone's like oh he's changed now nah, he was like this before he's <laughs> trying try to shine Steve by tickets while, fucking... yeah whilst I am like oh I don't get any of it I don't understand you also believe that you deserve it and you should get more no no not that I deserve it <laughs> not that I deserve it you've worked hard no there's one word that he's been saying I'm definitely not going to finish although I don't I can't fathom any of it and I'm incredibly grateful I do also realise I am pretty sick (laughs) I am very good at a lot of stuff yeah and I'm incredibly charming (laughs) (laughs) and humble don't forget that yeah humanity's overrated yeah I don't you're all, already on the stage with a mic. You can't pretend that you you're not. You don't think you're funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we well, should. Yeah. Told- yeah, I think I'm funny, but I'm nowhere near as funny as one day I'm going to be, or as funny as. Well, I'm funnier than you, but as funny as some other people. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I know. No, I've seen your act. Uh, okay. <laughs> do you know? What? I haven't. I've never actually seen. I don't think I've ever seen you live. Yeah, have you not? I think we saw each other in real estate. Real, and we've done like showcases together, yeah. like, agency showcases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which aren't fun. We don't get together. No, no, no but, yeah, but but like I said this earlier on as well. But like you know, you get these opportunities sometimes, and we all have those thoughts of going like, why, why am I getting this over somebody else and blah blah blah. But then see oh, if you get that. if you get that opportunity. <laughs> If you get that opportunity though, and then you take it, then you're like, "Well, I do deserve to be here because they offered the job." That's the one and I've thing I will it. say about comedy: is like you can't. There's only you can only fake it for so long. If audiences who want to keep coming to see you, as they did with you, as they do with you, you can't fake that. You can't fake audiences saying, "I love this guy." You can't force anyone to like you. Yeah, and you might, as you get more and more famous, have some people who turn up just because you're famous and drop off. But any comic who's got any kind of fan base, whether it's 10 people or 1,000 or 10,000, that is real. And you've got to just enjoy that and say, that's what I deserve at the moment. So. Hi. Yeah. And you've just got to keep keep giving them 
what you hope yeah. they're not enjoying. You because know? no one will back you more than strangers. Your family, friends, they don't back you in the same way as strangers do. People just paying money, making babysitting arrangements to come and fucking see you. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. I would never do that for anyone. <laughs> you know it's mean? nuts and it's very new to me and still very small, but yeah. Yeah. the fact that anyone would know who I am and come out yeah. is fucking crazy. I had one person who came to me, who came to see me, discharge herself from hospital. She's got sickle cell disease. She saw me on live. I thought, was, I thought it was a mental hospital. Just oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what she told me. It was sickle cell. But she saw me on Apollo. On live at the Apollo, and she 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 liked me so much. She told her daughter to buy tickets, discharged herself to come and see my one hour show, and took her back to herself to hospital the next day. And that's pressure I, for you. Well, I found out afterwards, but also I don't feel deserving of that level of commitment. Yeah, but she's done it, so I can't question it. And she messaged me afterwards saying. It was 100% worth it. And I was mm. like, if you died, it really wouldn't have been 100% worth it. <laughs> you know I mean? a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. yeah. But as I comics, I think sometimes we forget that all those people that came to see you at King's, sure, there might have been, you were saying there were local people, whatever. Aye. But there'll be people there who now love your stuff and want you to see, want to see you succeed. And that's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing you get into it for because when I started, I would listen to comedy albums or whatever, going into a fucking job I hated and just that would get you through the day just going and like you'd hear a bit you really liked and go oh oh there's someone else out there who feels the way I feel about certain things yeah, or whatever yeah. and I guess podcasts are like that now as well yeah. so like I you forget that that's like we, we just record here and then we put it out and then but that's why it's always nice people oh I was listening on the bus on my way to work or whatever yeah. and you forget that that's you're just getting getting people through their days there's a lot to be said for that I think absolutely and I'm so proud of what you guys have done with some of them. I think it's awesome Oh, thank you great. and thanks for coming on I like 75% of you and it's, I, I, I feel what? the same about you actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no listen mate thanks so much for coming on be, before you go have you got into plugging you're still on tour at the moment I'm still on tour yeah go to ishanakbar.com forward slash tour we're adding dates in Leeds we've added a second date in Liverpool and in London uh, if you're around those parts, I mean, I don't know when this goes out. A uh, couple of weeks, probably. Okay, so I've already done it in Scotland. Aye. Sorry. Next time, though? Next, Next time. year? Yeah. Oh, the Fringe? You're doing the Fringe? No. I'm undecided. I want to do a format show, like a late night drinking game show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. The Halal drinking game show. Nice. Can I be on it? Yeah. Thanks. Of course you can. And where can people find you online? Just at Ishan Akbar. Sweet. Yes, H W A N A K B A O. Easy peasy. Awesome. And watch well, sex education as well. So that really covers it. Before we go, uh, just as always, please remember to like and subscribe on YouTube, give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can follow us at SomeLapod on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, and email us anything you'd like at SomeLapod at gmail.com. But until next time, guys, we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Cheers, Ishan. Cheers.